Pokemon podcast that has ever existed. Uh, my name is Matt. Today I am joined by Twitch, the creative director of Pokemon Uranium, and also the co-runner of the Fakemon blog with me on Tumblr. Hello. Hello. How's it going? Uh, pretty good. I am I really wanted to get another episode out before the, the game actually came out so we can, you know, fill it with um, random speculation that's absolutely going to be proven wrong and we'll yes. all be boo-boo the fool. I cannot wait until Pokemon snatches the rug out from underneath me and just completely blindsides us by some new feature that they didn't even mention during the promotional material. Although that sounds like a missed opportunity for them to hype up the game some more. I mm-hmm. think I think we've probably seen basically every single new feature that they're going to announce that'll be a big selling point. But there's probably a bunch of little details that'll stick out, especially to huge Pokemon nerds like us. Of course, there's a lot of people, again, speculating that they're just going to throw Kalos in the whole game, and I feel like that's expecting a little much. I don't think that's going to happen, uh, because making a region is extremely resource-intensive, and I don't know why they would bother with, you know, because it was, that's a 3DS game, so they would have to not only port and update all the textures and all of the models, but also revamp all of the maps and also cram it onto a Switch cartridge, which Mm -hmm. is no small feat. I think a lot of people underestimate how much work goes into making any game, let alone a Pokemon game. Even if Game Freak is a AAA studio, they've still got limitations, and there's still limited space in a game. Honestly, I'd rather that they just make Galar a fun, large region to explore with a lot of details and have a bunch of new content rather than rehashing old content. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I I think that the the regions. I mean, they they really don't have like a 
a Pokemon like map legendarium that shows how everything is connected to each other. Um, but I imagine that Galar and Kalos are supposed to be close. That would like, make sense. I wonder if there's like a, a Galarian channel that separates them. Um, yeah, and a cool train from that one train in Kalos that doesn't go anywhere. That's true. There is that train station that was never used. There's a lot of stuff in Kalos that was never particularly used. Um, one of the reasons why the speculation came up, like, even if it doesn't turn out that they're next to each other, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh, be surprised if there was a bunch of references to it. Uh, someone was thinking, like, the... Um... Actually, you know what? Uh, that, that's a leak discussion. And I, you were avoiding leaks, correct? Yes, I've been mostly tuning out leaks uh, unless the one unless they're one hundred percent proven fake. Just because I want to be surprised. Um, mm-hmm. For the same reason that I'm pretty excited that we don't have a whole lot of officially revealed Pokemon and content from the game. Like we don't, we hardly know any of the town names, for example. Uh, yeah. Which I'm grateful for, considering that in the lead up to Sun and Moon, they basically revealed uh, 90% of the Alola decks and all of the Alola forms, except for like Alolan Geodude. So as a result, some of the mystery of discovering new Pokemon was sort of uh, diminished because it was just like, oh, yeah, it's that guy. I saw him in a promotional ad. Um, So I really hope that going into this region mostly blind, it'll be able to recapture that childlike glee of discovery because as an adult who still plays Pokemon, <laughs> you know, some of the uh, some of the joyous, ch- the, the, the feeling of wonder is sort of lost to me and I'm still yeah, constantly of chasing that high. <laughs> <laughs> One of the, uh, I just remember with the, the lead up to X and Y, uh, when there was like all almost every Pokemon was revealed except for like Barbarical and the starter final evolutions. And um, but like nobody knew that that was the case with the number of Pokemon because like that Dex ended up having like the the smallest number of new entries. But so there that was, was like there were so many Pokemon in Kalos. I mean, they used uh, there were three entire Dexes of 150 Pokemon yeah. in Kalos. It's just that only like 70 of them were new Pokemon that were added that generation. Yeah. And then, like, there was, um, like, something like a hundred odd more that you could get through, like, the Friend Safaris. Oh, true. Man, I completely forgot about the Friend Safaris. And I spent <laughs> The only reason I remember them at all is because uh, that was my first time doing a Living Dex was playing X and Y, just because of the sheer number that were available in that game alone. Yeah, I have a confession to make, uh, which now I probably shouldn't make on a Pokemon podcast that's presumably going to be listened to by other people, but I've never completed a National Dex. That's fine. Not once. It's They're- it's the the only reason I ever do it is when I'm like super depressed because <laughs> it's like you know like a task to finish. It's a good way to occupy your brain for a long period of time. It does slot right nicely into that. Uh, like the numbers going up makes the serotonin levels go up. Uh, exactly, experience. it's a very numbers going up game, <laughs> <laughs> which is I think very integral to the whole Pokemon journey. Um, so I, I can totally sympathize. But honestly, after a certain point, when you're you know just grinding up levels to evolve a pseudo legendary like Hydreigon that evolves at what level sixty eight, that really it- high. <laughs> it's just like I mean I could understand it's it's mindless fun but at that point fun seems like a bit of a generous term for it. Yeah. I feel like it's it's a it's a really good thing to do while you're also like listening to a podcast or watching TV or something like something that like can take your like active attention while you just kind of like rotate the circle pad in your hand. 
<laughs> yeah, or uh, the, using the the uh, rubber band method where you tape the circle pad over to one side. You, you, yeah, you, <laughs> you fly to Lumio City and go around around the Eiffel Tower. Um, and, the way I know. found that actually works even better than a rubber band for that is a dime. You a can dime? just slot a dime under the left side and it holds it right, <laughs> and it just and- like goes around in circles and if it breaks your circle pad in the process that's just sacrifices that you make along the journey to success i'm really amazed that i didn't uh i almost broke my d-pad um you know that you know the trick in diamond and pearl where you could like jerk your way out of the map and then just like travel through darkness yeah yeah exactly like holding holding the control stick right is a lot harder on a ds than it is with a circle pad and I almost broke my uh, my D pad by like sticking it with gum. I mean, you it wasn't have to actually do, like, gum. It was like a it was like a <laughs> poster tack or something. You have to do like eight consecutive frame perfect inputs to make that work. So that's just at the start. After that, after that, it's fair. It's fair game. You just you're just walking in a straight line for something like sixty five thousand steps. Did you manage to catch Darkrai or Shaman? I did catch Shaman, uh, and then I could not transfer it forward because it was detected as illegitimate. It was in the game. It's not like you use an external device. It's not their fault. The game has a bug in it. But I felt the same way about using the Mew glitch in the Virtual Console uh, Red version um, Mm -hmm. to catch a Mew. Finally, for the first time in my life, I caught a Mew, and I added it to my team. And I'm like, yes, I can get a Mew and complete the national decks. Not that that ever happened, but yeah. course if you use the mew glitch it's illegitimate i don't know how they can detect that i mean i guess Uh, it's basically like um it's it's like the level it's caught at and the ot because an an official mew uh in the in a in a generation one game like an officially released one uh would have the ot of nintendo so actually if you named your virtual consoles player like nintendo or whatever fits in seven characters it actually would work Wow. There's, there's there's ways around this. And so for Diamond and Pearl, uh, the reason why the Shaman is detected as illegitimate is because they never actually released the event items for Shaman and Darkrai. And so <laughs> The Grisidia uh, flower? Yeah. No, not the not the flower, the um the Oak's letter, which is what lets oh, yeah. you go to the root to get it. So like these since those items were never released, a shaman that or that originates from Pearl Pearl is considered illegitimate. Wow, the disrespect. <laughs> I know. So what I did is I just uh, went into my save editor, said it was from Platinum, and then sent it forward. <laughs> <laughs> I had this capability the whole time, but, you know, it's, I wanted to do it anyway. It's their own fault. I mean, they make this. They made the catchphrase of the series in the West, gotta catch them all. And then there are some Pokemon that are literally uncatchable. So <laughs> they really dug their own grave here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that 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 kind of dovetails neatly into the National Dex conversation. You have some thoughts on this, right? I do, I do. Uh, I mean, I can't not have thoughts because it seems to be the dominant discussion in virtually every Pokemon space on the internet still. It was on the previous episode, but, you know, <sighs> I want to get more people's thoughts on it. Um, what we, what me and, uh, and John, the guest on the last episode, basically came to is, that's fine. Yeah, I'm in the same boat here. I am not. I don't have a strong emotional attachment to every single one of the 800 plus Pokemon that have been revealed so far. And if they want to say leave out the Ultra Beasts from uh, from Sword and Shield because they're an Alola thing, or actually they're not even an Alola thing. They're from another dimension. They're from another dimension. That's fine by me. I'm fine with not having uh, you know 
tornadoes and thunderous. But I do like the Ultra Beasts a lot, and I I I would love to see more Ultra Beasts. But I get Mm -hmm. that that was kind of like their game's gimmick, and I'm content with leaving them there. Uh, I kind of think they were a little bit underexplored, to be honest. But yes, uh, that's 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 true of anything. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I mean, like for one thing, I'm pretty sure that leaving some of the Pokemon out, it's not like they got Thanos snapped out of existence. I mean, they're Mm -hmm. still going to be in Pokemon Home, and they're going to be in future games. Maybe they'll have a future perfect Pokemon game that's like an MMORPG on the Switch where you can have all 1,000 or so Pokemon, (laughs) you know. (laughs) If they don't, like one of the things that I was discussing with John was like, just put a battle sim on the Switch. Yeah, please. Just put a battle sim on the Switch. Do Showdown, like people, but better. Yeah, exactly. Showdown, but official. Yeah. Because like, would... you, you know that they haven't shut down Showdown because they know it's how most of their like esports community practices. Yeah. Like, they're, think... they're never going to shut it down for that reason. I mean, I wouldn't uh, though... say never. They totally I could. wouldn't say never. That's true. <laughs> Um, they could totally shut down really any fan project or even fan website for any reason, but they choose not to because they don't see it as a threat to their uh, their brand. And in the case of Showdown, yeah, competitive players use Showdown extensively. It's where the sort of the competitive meta uh, develops. You know, exactly. So they would basically be uh, harming themselves directly. Yeah, they'd be shooting that. themselves in the foot to do that. Yeah. On the other but hand... Like- some fan projects do get shut down because they represent a threat to the brand, uh, like my fan game, for instance. Yeah, let's let's talk about uranium. <laughs> uh, I guess we might as well, since I'm here. Since you're here, um, I I am. I'll be honest. I only played the like early demo of it that you had sent me. I think this was like way, 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 way back. Oh, like, like three point <laughs> I think so. Like it was I think you'd sent it to the fake mon blog because I'd been posting about like some of the fake mon from it. This is like prior to you being part of the fake mon blog. <laughs> um but yeah, yeah it's been no, around I, a long time. I mean it took us nine years to fully develop and release it, which, you know, in and of itself is I can't believe I stuck with one thing for nine years that didn't make me any money at all. <laughs> but <laughs> I still like Pokemon as we were talking before the uh, before we started recording about how we've both been doing fan game stuff since we were in like middle school. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I mean, it was yeah, it's changed a lot since the version that I sent you. I mean, we I overhauled basically the whole Pokedex and all the visuals and uh, basically, Matt, you owe it to yourself to play it. It's a full game. You can play it all the way from the beginning to the end of the game with the credits. <laughs> Which is very rare for a fan game. There are not that many finished ones. Yeah, most fan projects end up uh, uh, left by the wayside, or they change hands over to a new development team mm-hmm. and then are stuck in development hell for another, you know, three years before finally throwing in the towel. Uh, some fan games do have a playable um, beta version of the game. I think a really strong example of this is Pokemon Ethereal Gates, which yeah. released a nice, like, snack-sized, uh, complete game experience that goes up to two gyms, has totally custom graphics, a whole bunch of fake mon to discover, and uh, you you kind of have your expectations set for you right off the bat that this is a uh, this is it's a, a small demo. piece. Yeah, and it was, it, but it's it really it does stand on its own. Even so, Pokemon Sage, the VPs fan game, is like that yeah. too. Um, goes there are three what gyms. three or four gyms now? I think three gyms, if I remember yeah. right. Yeah, tons Which, of really like, cool I, Pokemon. Hmm. Oh man, yeah. I could. 
I could talk about some of the mons from Sage forever. Like there, there is some really, really cool stuff in there. Absolutely. I think that's, um, I mean, like the internet has kind of recognized that these are really, uh, these are really high quality because I see them stolen all the time. Oh yeah. <laughs> I, I remember like way, 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 way back. Um, the, the, the fake mon project that I was a part of, which I haven't mentioned in a couple episodes, probably, uh, was called Pokemon Treasures. It uh, it spawned on the Cerebi.net forums because that is where fan games once upon a time would start. <laughs> uh, there was like a whole rush of them that all started at once and almost all of them were gone before the year was out. Uh, and yeah, we our, our fake mon, we'd find them all over the place. And this was in like 2003 internet. Like it's so, so, so much worse now. Like I, I know in the uh, in the Poke Engine uh, fake Mon channel, we find someone stolen like one of the members Pokemon like every other day, basically. Like yeah, just like, taken it, for their own projects or just posting for clout stuff like that. <laughs> There's a lot of um, Instagram has kind of become a nexus of fake mon creators nowadays, but because there's not really any policing on that uh, platform, you get a ton of people who are just uh, reposting other people's designs or tracing over them, and you know it's it's really like you get kind of protective as an artist of stuff that you created, and yeah, of course. There's also pretty much constant drama over somebody taking somebody's idea, which is a lot harder to say definitively whether it's um, whether they did it on purpose or not. But either way, it's, it's always funny when people do that with like Game Freak. Yeah, <laughs> they're like, yeah, Game Freak stole my fake mon idea of this like of this specific animal that every single person in the world says would be a good fake mon. Yeah, like a red panda. Yeah, Actually, like a red panda or like that one sea slug. The Glaucus yeah. Atlanticus, which I've seen as a fake mon in like eight different projects at this point. <laughs> like they're everywhere. It's one of my they, favorite. They animals. look like a Pokemon. It really does. It looks like a Pokemon, but real. There's also a uh, there's a literal there's another kind of sea slug called the Pikachu Nudibranch, which is uh, oh, yes, <laughs> which I loved so much that I made into a fake mon that was like a Pika clone, but it was a slug, and it's currently the icon of the uh, fake mon Tumblr blog. It's so cute. <laughs> I love it so much. I just that like would be slugs like, a lot. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, slugs are good. That would just be like the perfect thing to actually be adopted as a Pokemon because it's just, it's really full circle. Yeah, it's like... It's this slug that looks like a Pikachu that was named after Pikachu and then they make a Pokemon based off of that. <laughs> like, that's just, it's beautiful. It's beautiful when you think about it. Yeah, Pokemon is kind of, I mean... As much as the Pokemon company probably wants to shy away from this, the experience of being a fan of Pokemon means that you're creating your own uh, unique narrative. Uh, every single time you play the game, you name the character after yourself or whoever. You choose which Pokemon to be on your team. And mm -hmm. really, everybody's individual experience of Pokemon is totally different from any other player of Pokemon, which I think is pretty cool. Um, yeah. So it kind of stands to reason that there would be a huge fan community where people are literally creating their own Pokemon and their own region. Um, because that's sort of that's sort of built into the series itself, even though they don't have, even though they obviously aren't super friendly towards fan made projects. Uh, yeah, like I, I, I understand it, but at the same time, it's just like just the sheer like raw creative potential that's constantly coming out of fake mon communities. It almost seems dumb for them to not attempt to tap into this anyway. But at the same time, it's like, obviously none of the people like working on designs for the games can really like even look at stuff. 
Yeah, James Turner has yeah. uh, said on Twitter um, when you know I've seen a couple of people tweet their fake Mon designs at James Turner, and he has to be like, I, "It's company policy. I literally cannot look at your fake Pokemon designs. I don't want to get influenced by them. I don't want to. Uh, I, I, I just can't. You know, legally yeah. speaking, I can't. <laughs> and it makes sense because, like, they, like, they want that kind of separation to be to be there. Yeah, I wonder if there's any fake Mon that have like directly. Um, maybe unintentionally or otherwise inspired a canon Pokemon, or maybe Fakemon that used a name that was then uh, used by a canon Pokemon. I was surprised, for instance, so Scorbunny is a fire-type bunny, um, but the name caught me off guard. Scorbunny doesn't sound like an intuitive name for, uh, you know, I've seen a lot of, like, Flarebit or Raburn or yeah. uh, things like that, the names like that that are kind of more obvious. So I feel like they probably Googled basically every single permutation of rabbit and fire um, until they found one that wasn't used by any pre-existing fake <laughs> mod. Uh, I have, I, I remember seeing, I, I think it was sometime last gen, there was a, a, a Pokemon that used a name that had been used by a fake mod before. It comes up so infrequently though, because yeah, it does seem like they really try to avoid it. Like the most common, one of the most common fake mod that I'd seen just like in general was a otter named water <laughs> and they explicitly did not call Oshawott that <laughs> water is such a phoning it in kind of name but it really uh, is were you around for watergate by the way for what watergate the uh when generation five was coming out uh and they leaked the gen five evolutions early and uh basically everybody doubted that they were real and there were all these like look at all the artifacts this is clearly photoshopped it wasn't photoshopped they really were a fire another firefighting type for <laughs> evolution for tepig but um it was called watergate as in w-o-t-t-e-r i really do love that i i was definitely around for it although i i really don't remember like the um the starter evolutions leaking because I just remember the entire decks leaking for fifth gen. Yeah. Uh, and I that, mean, that happened all at once. That happened with Alola too, after they released the playable uh, the demo, demo on the three DS and people data mined it and they got all of the data for all the Pokemon, not the data, but they're just like their sprites. They got the sprites that are used in the Pokedex specifically, yeah. like not like the full models or anything. So I guess that might be why they didn't release or they haven't released a playable demo for sword and shield. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, because like the 3ds, the 3ds is just so hacked. Like yeah. there was no way that people weren't gonna just strip mine that thing. It's a little harder on the Switch. Like I'm very interested to see how like uh, save editing is gonna work because like there are save extractors for the Switch, and there are like the most common save editors work with Let's Go Pikachu, Let's Go Eevee files. But like it's not as widespread as it is on the 3ds because the 3ds is just almost ludicrously easy to hack. Sure. Well, new generations of. Uh hardware means uh stricter hack prevention um, yeah. and also probably the online is going to have more rigorous screening to detect uh hacked or illegitimate uh pokemon well i mean the thing is like most of the time people are just hacking legitimate pokemon like they're just they're skipping the effort portion of it which you know i honestly I mean? think is fine like it's fine <laughs> you don't want to spend like like 15 hours out of your day trying to hatch eggs to get one with perfect IVs, then I personally don't see anything morally wrong with using Pokesave to just edit in a legitimate egg that happens to have 31 IVs. Yeah, the thing is um, the hard part about battling is the battling. Yeah, you gotta <laughs> like, make the strategic choices, and it doesn't matter how perfect your Pokemon stats are if you choose the wrong move at the wrong time. Exactly. 
like really uh, I like the, you're not really getting like the fractional differences with IVs anyway like with your attacking stats like those can be lower it's really just your speed that matters <laughs> as far as like having a perfect one I wonder if they uh I wonder what they were thinking when they made so many Alolan Pokemon so slow like Vikavolt is I think a prime example it's a really oh cool looking Pokemon it's a bug type it's got a uh what you call it a rail gun a on rail its gun. face it's awesome and all then his pokedex a, entries talk about how fast it is it has base 40 speed and not only that you cannot get it until the fourth island in the game so you're basically the game is over at that point and you yeah. can finally fully evolve your bug that you caught on the first route it doesn't make <laughs> any sense yeah in in the in ultra sun and moon they did at least make it so you could evolve it at the power plant so third island instead of fourth island that um okay which is an improvement one but point it's nonetheless way too late <laughs> not yeah. worth making an entire two other games for it though <laughs> oh yeah i can go on forever about how much of a disappointment those games were i i would agree with you but let's not because probably some people actually like ultra sun and ultra moon they i would have liked them a lot more if i hadn't played sun and moon first exactly yeah i was in the same boat i'm like why did i spend 40 dollars on the same game i'm a yeah. sucker <laughs> i am yeah i am also a sucker truly um what would you consider the perfect Pokemon game then? The perfect Pokemon game? So I was thinking about this earlier. And well, so as a creator, I really would love to see a Pokemon game that was sort of in the vein of Mario Maker, where you get to design your own creatures and environments for people to play through. So like a Pokemon Maker that's officially licensed. Um, now, there's a lot of issues with that, though, because Pokemon is a lot is an RPG and it's a lot more complex than a Mario level. Yeah. So, um, you know, they would have to, for instance, uh, you know, put in pretty rigorous like swear detector filters so that people aren't making <laughs> explicit games using the Pokemon brand and then marketing them towards kids. So that's one issue with that. But basically, Poke Engine is that. So I'm kind of happy that that exists. Yeah. Even in an incomplete state. Yeah, like, it's just, like, a way to... I mean, like, the the one thing that I, that would be most difficult with, like, any kind of, like, larger-scale Pokemon creator would, I guess, be, like, the addition of original monsters. Yeah. If that would be possible at all. Just I mean, because of, like, the amount of art that has to go into each of them. Yeah, it could be something like models, Spore, Spore had a DS version that was, like, just the creature stage, and you could... It was all 2D instead of the 3D uh, that, that it was in the PC game. And you would oh, just neat. like drag parts together to make your own monster out of a bunch of pre-assembled parts. And you could unlock some new, you know, like different kinds of teeth or wings and stuff like that as you progressed in the story to make your monster stronger. And I think that that might be a decent balance between uh, letting giving people the creativity to express themselves with Pokemon designs, but also um, also having pre having art assets that doesn't require people to you know that 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 has a built-up library of library of assets that people can use without knowing how to draw themselves yeah the like the, the that's of course that that's like the real only limiting factor because the whole thing about pokemon and the way it works is that there are just like so many variables that go into making a pokemon its type its ability its move set um like the way that it distributes experience, the way it gains experience, like all these things are just numbers. And <laughs> yeah, and, like uh, it, 
in Pokemon Essentials for RPG Maker XP, which most fan games, including Pokemon Uranium, are made with, it's literally just a text file that you can go in and all of your Pokemon's attributes are listed on a single, uh, you know, on a single descriptor and you can change them as you see fit. So you really realize that a Pokemon is just like a couple of, a bunch, a string of numbers and text. <laughs> and then like a couple image files attached to it, right? But that's not even what a Pokemon is. A Pokemon is like its concept is I think the most important part that can't be represented by data and couldn't be represented by like a Pokemon, by like a build your own Pokemon feature in a game. Yeah. The best Pokemon are the ones with the best ideas behind them. Like uh, one of my favorites that's been revealed so far for Gen 8 is Poltegeist. Yeah. It's so wonderful. It's a ghost that lives in a teapot. Its body is made out of tea. It uh, it can come out of all the different parts of the teapot. It's so British. It's... Got this it's beautiful- very cute. It's so cute. And the teapot that it's in has all this like porcelain details and stuff like that. It's adorable. It's charming. The name is great. It's super creative. Uh, and you can't really get that if you're just kind of throwing fangs and wings on a monster. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, that's always been like one of the, the main like bones of contention with people with fake mon is that a lot of people are just coming from it from like a more naturalistic angle. Like here's animal add element. Yeah, <laughs> and I feel like that's something that uh, comes up in Fakemon quite a lot. Definitely, definitely, uh, and you know, I I don't think that there's anything inherently wrong with making a creature that's like an electric cheetah, for instance. It makes sense. Cheetahs are fast. Electricity is also fast. They of got course, cool stripes on them. They that got works cool with stripes. Electricity. You can make the stripe look like a lightning bolt. It's perfect. Done. All right, there we go. Concept. But I think that you could. You can and probably should go deeper if you're going to make a compelling Pokemon design or a Fakemon design that's going to resonate with people, that people are going to see it and then instantly think like, oh, wow, that's super cool. That's creative. I want to catch that. I want to add it to my team. Yeah. The um, one spot where I, I think it's a, a really fun way to make a Fakemon is kind of coming up with a name and working from there. Uh, oh, yeah. Which is how I always feel about the... There's po- two Pokemon from Pokemon Sage, uh, which aren't in the current version as far as I know, but are on the decks. And their names are Isotope and Chill Noble. <laughs> and it's they're they're nuclear ice slugs. And <laughs> That's so the, great. <laughs> and the second one has like like uh, nuclear towers as its shell. I, and, I like that like, a lot. It's like cold fusion, right? Yeah, that's the that's like when when the basis of it is just a pun. I like it. <laughs> That's fantastic. Yeah. You you don't even need to know what it looks like to know what it looks like intuitively based on those names alone. (laughs) Yeah. They are very, very cute. Um, And yeah. And out of the new Pokemon, like the ones that I like the most are the ones with the the goofy concepts like that. Like I I really love Cramorant and his stupid fish. It's so doofy looking. (laughs) I do wish its wings looked a little more detailed. That's one thing that's always that's something that's kind of bugged me about more recent bird designs in pokemon is that they don't really put a naturalistic approach to how they draw like feathers on wings no they don't uh but they haven't really done that since the newer generations all the like all the newer pokemon are way more stylized and chibified and way more colorful than first generation where there's pidgey and spiro and they basically just look like different variations of fluffy scruffy birds yeah um it it, it, i i do like the way that they they make more use of the uh of like more varied proportions because obviously they don't have to fit everything into like a 56 by 56 sprite yeah so you can have like really long pokemon like celesteela and alolan executor yeah Uh, like dragalge would not work 
no in in a in a limited space because it just there's so much detail on its like leafiness that you wouldn't be able to capture in a in a small sprite. Like I mean, there are, have people have made sprites of like uh, of newer Pokemon, but even then, like they're usually using the um, the black and white limit of ninety six, which yeah. is a lot more forgiving. In one of the uh, fake leaks, uh, there was a stick insect Pokemon that I absolutely love. That's super long and has all of these like limbs and little sticky bits extending out of it. And I, what my one of my first thoughts on seeing that, uh, not that it's a real Pokemon, but it totally could be, and it could only be a newer Pokemon because it just wouldn't have fit in like yeah. Ruby and Sapphire with a sixty-four by sixty-four limit on the sprites. But now there's basically no limit as to how big they can be. Hence, uh, Gigantamax. Hence Gigantamax. Um, I guess that we, we can we can push that into like one of the actual pieces of news that have happened, um, which like on an unrelated note, super love how little has come out. Yeah, it's been I've, like I'm tantalized. I can admit I'm fucking tantalized. There's going to be so much stuff to discover. I mean, hopefully I'm not I don't want to be putting on my pl- clown makeup when there's like two new Pokemon well, we know, basically, we know basically nothing. Uh, so at the very least, there's going to be new towns. There's going to be eight gyms. There's going to be a whole story that we really don't know anything about. Uh, so there's there's a lot to look forward to. I really hope that there's going to be more. Uh, there's going to be more Pokemon because it's Pokemon. We want more Pokemon. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, we haven't seen any legendaries besides the main two. We don't even know what types uh, Zacian and Zamazenta are. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff to discover, even amongst the little scraps that they've given us now. Uh, but yeah. Gigantamax. I mean, how many how many, how many, many new Pokemon are you hoping for, roughly? Because I, I feel like anywhere around like the 70 to 80 range is probably ideal. Yeah, that's what they've been for the last couple of generations. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be upset if they had more i'd like it if they broke at least the 900 mark with this gen yeah which they um, need i guess like 92 or 93 yeah if you're counting melton and melmetal are those gonna are those gen 8 pokemon um if in, you if you go by cerebi's logic they are gen 7 pokemon uh because let's go eevee and pikachu are technically gen 7 games and well, the I mean, way that the yeah, well, it's just like, um, like by like the base framework of the battle system, there was like nothing really added to the existing formula, and I think there's something about like the way their index numbers are stored that like they are with all the other Pokemon in Gen Seven, whereas yeah, like good. Gen Eight Pokemon would be further on. All right, I'll defer to Serebii on this one. <laughs> I will always defer to Serebii, Um, which like related note, happy twentieth birthday to Serebii. Happy Cannot birthday, believe that Cerebi. site has been online for that long. That's it nuts. has not changed in twenty years. It has should. the same design. <laughs> I'm like, maybe this year Serebii will update its layout. Nope. <laughs> maybe this year Serebii will have actual posts and not just have the news be adding things to the top of a page. It's really impressive, but then again, Serebii is uh. He's like one guy, he probably has a bunch of informants and all the people on the forums and stuff, but he's really one guy who manages maybe the most trafficked Pokemon news site in the world. Yeah. And he's besides like Pokemon.com. Arguably, mm-hmm. though, I use Cerebi more than Pokemon.com, so... I use Cerebi far more. Like, the only site that I use even close to as much is Bulbapedia, and of course, like, that by its nature is a lot of people doing it. Right. So, really, it's impressive. It's monumental for one person to have done this, even <laughs> if you consider the method by which he updates his own website. Uh, 
it's, it's just bonkers. Cr- it cracks me up so much. But like, I mean, again, it's 20 years old and it's never redone its whole formula. And when- literally it looks like a website from 1999, which it is. <laughs> One thing that I really loved about, uh, about the format is today I was just looking to see how much news had happened since the, since I last recorded. It's only really two things, which we'll get into shortly, but like I could just click on October news and it's just all the news from October on one giant ass page. Yeah. It's, I will say the visual presentation of it is very nice. Like the way that it puts the anime episode screenshots up front yeah. and center. If there's a new Pokemon, it's right in the middle of the display. You know, like it's, there's it's, no ads. Yeah. No ads at all. How does he make money? Uh, I don't understand. <laughs> like the amount of traffic the site buttons? gets, like it's how, gotta be. How do I give Serebi my money for making this amazing free resource for all of us? I really want to give Serebi some money. If anyone figures it out, please let me know on Twitter. <laughs> I just, I want to give him money. He deserves it. Gigantamax. Gigantamax. So, I think it's uh, cool. I do think it's cool. <laughs> I love Charizard, so I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> I could not really care less about Charizard, so it's like the least important thing for me out of this one. Uh, so one of the two reveals uh, since the last episode was um, leaked in Koro Koro like 20 minutes before the video that they were going to post came out, which was kind of funny. Um <laughs> I say leaked in Koro Koro, like the Koro Koro magazine was coming up the next day. It was just posted slightly early. Um, so the Gigantamax forms for Charizard, Pikachu, Eevee, Meowth, and Butterfree. Fat Pikachu is real. Fat Pikachu is real. This is one of the, um, this was contained in one of the early leaks. So same that with one, Long Meowth. I can't believe that Long Meowth. Fat Pikachu and Long Meowth are real canonical. You can get them in the video game. Yeah, they're. I think it's like um, you get you get them right away if you have a save file for Let's Go Pikachu or Let's Go Eevee, and then I think you can still encounter them otherwise with like a little bit of effort. I hope so, because otherwise that would really suck. Because you're basically gating a Pokemon behind a sixty dollar purchase of another game. That said, <laughs> or if you're, you're in also- Canada, an eighty dollar purchase. Oh God! <laughs> of course, you're also gating all of the Virgin exclusives behind the other game. So that's kind of been their whole business model. Yeah, but I mean, like, at least those you can trade. I mean, like, what I'm going to do is I have Let's Go Eevee. Uh, My girlfriend has Let's Go Pikachu. We're going to take each other's game cards and put them in the other Switch. Oh, nice. Yeah, then you get both save files. You get both Eevees, Pikachus, whatever. Are you not going to use it, though? I really feel like using a Pikachu for, like, the the, the 80th time isn't going to have the same impact, you know? Oh, I'm going to put it on as big of a TV as possible so I can see the Pikachu at the absolute massive unit size that it deserves to be. You know, I love Gigantamax Pikachu. There's one thing that I wish that they did differently. I wish they'd given it the white tummy. I don't yeah. know why. It doesn't the, have white the white tummy, I think, was only in like the earliest sprites. And yellow version. Yellow version had the white tummy, I think. Detective Pikachu has a white tummy. Detective Pikachu also has a white tummy. You're right. I, I, I mean, I kind of wish it just literally looked like a sprite. Because <laughs> <laughs> like that would the, just be fun. Like the yellow version follower overworld sprite, but massive. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that would be so I, want, I also wanted to make surprise Pikachu face at least once. Oh, please. Yes. Uh, they're going to put a reference into that meme because it's wholesome and it's everywhere. They have yeah, to exactly. put a reference in the game. <laughs> They've done um, memes in the past, or at least a localization team has done some, you know, offhanded reference to like something awful memes because. Yeah, were... but that person doesn't work uh, for Game Freak anymore. I know that. Hmm. He... Did you, do you know who it is? <laughs> Uh, Nob Ogar, I don't know his last name. It's Ogarasawa or something like that. He was the person who Black Belt Nob was named after in every game. 
Cool. Uh, oh, right. Yeah, there were multiple black belt no knobs, weren't thing. there? Yeah, but either way, he, um, I believe the last game he worked on was Diamond and Pearl, uh, where he had, like, my Pokemon is fight <laughs> as a trainer Classic. dialogue, which was really good. Um, but yeah, no, I, I think they, they probably still have at least one person with a, with a sense of humor and an online presence on their localization team. Does Long Meowth count as an internet reference? Like, I feel like that has got to be referencing Longcat. Yeah. Because, like... Like, it couldn't not be. Why I mean, would you make a Meowth log if you're not referencing Long Cat? It's a cat. It's long. <laughs> if you hold a cat like you hold Long Cat, it does the same pose, obviously. <laughs> like, that's any cat can be Long Cat. But, like, Long Cat. I love how they're making all of these new regional variants. Like, really long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like really long wheezing, really long far-fetched, really long exeggutor. They're yeah. just like, fuck a sprite limit. We can make them tall now. <laughs> it's like, um, I had a similar experience when I was, uh, when I, it, like, seven years into developing Pokemon Uranium, and I realized that I was basically, I had unrestricted creative control and I could do whatever I want, and so I put a Pokemon in the game that's literally the Titanic. <laughs> Titanic! <laughs> I'm just like, I am the god of this world. Nobody can stop me. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the true I really don't give a fuck moment. <laughs> if, if it ever interacted with a canon Pokemon, I would love if it um, it just dies the second it faces an Avalog. Yeah, it has the ability forewarn. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten so much shit about that design and I don't care. I it's don't fun. care. <laughs> I mean, James Cameron made like, you know, a billion dollars making a movie out of Titanic. I can make a silly fake mod that's like super rare. So very few people will actually encounter it even. <laughs> it's it's so cool. I, I really do love to see it. <laughs> um, I remember I saw one fake one that was like based off of a jumbo jet and it was just a whale. And it like... I really like those kind of mechanical designs in general. And if they're a specific reference, it's even better. That's great. <laughs> People just don't like object mons is what I have found in like they, the wider Pokemon fandom. They just don't like them. It's because they make bad fur bait. Oh God. That's really it. Isn't it? <laughs> it really is. It. You can't draw it as an anthro character. So it's therefore bad throw to the trash. <laughs> I mean, someone I'm sure has tried to draw a fur bait Garboder before. Yeah, and if oh, they God. haven't, I'm willing it into existence right now. <laughs> Someone I, I, will do it. I can put your mind at ease. It's already out there. Okay, good, good, good. But <laughs> someone make it anyway. I want to see it. But like, that's kind of what I love is the Pokemon designs that are really unexpected yet fun. I mean, you know, I, I, I know I keep talking about Poltergeist and how good it is, but it's so good and it's cute. Same with Impidimp, actually, which a lot of people hate. I love it. <laughs> It's, it's just a, he's a little bastard. He's just a little creature. <laughs> he cannot help this. I also, I really love the running bit that they have not at any point officially revealed Impidim, but it has been in like three separate pieces of promotional material at this he point. He showed up in the live stream and he fogged up the camera so you couldn't see Galarian Ponyta. <laughs> Galarian Ponyta, which is um, a psychic the other... It's a psychic type. It's not um, a fairy type. Which pissed off everyone. <laughs> I think it's kind of cool, but, you know, whatever. I mean, like, so it's a unicorn, right? I think it's and literally just to make it so that it's not weak to poison. Because yeah. that's, like, its whole thing is that it's, like, a poison cure. Yeah. And psychic is good against poison. And psychic is good against poison. Um, doesn't resist it, but that doesn't really matter. It'd be cool if it evolved into, like, a Pegasus. Yeah. 
Pegasus Rapidash? A Pegasus Rapidash. Uh, the, the fake leak had a Rapidash in it, um, yeah. the person who was doing the TGC art, but it just looks like a, a really cool horse, which I feel like is the same mistake people made with um, when Alolan Meowth was revealed and then they were speculating Alo- Alolan Persian. They're like, oh, it's going to be like, a cool panther. No, it's a fat like a cat with a leopard. dumb face. <laughs> it looks like Garfield. It's perfect. <laughs> It's great. <laughs> the one thing that I don't like about it is the specific way in which its roundness shows up does not, to me, show fluffiness, which is what it's intending to show, I imagine. And I think that's just like the limits of the like texture palettes when yeah. they were when they were working on the game. Because like whenever I see it in like the manga or anything like that, like you can really tell that its face is supposed to be really fluffy. I just wish they'd made it more obviously long-haired because its name is Persian, right? And yeah. Persian cats are really long hair, fluffy cats with the wide faces that have all the fur coming off of it. Mm-hmm. So having it be a fat-faced cat, a fat-faced fat cat makes perfect sense, but it's not like long-haired on the rest of its body. It's still kind of skinny. So it's, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they chunked it up a little bit, but it's not in proportion with the head at all. And yeah, so if they if they had better fur texture in general because like most furry pokemon don't really have a fur texture they just have a solid color texture they're made up of like you know blocks that suggest a lot of fur but aren't really showing a lot of fur Mm -hmm. and it just sort of dovetails into the whole pokemon cartoony aesthetic like it'd be hard to animate if it had a bunch of realistic fur right and they have to they have to do it they i mean with Ever since the Alolan anime, they've had a very fluid animation style, but also very simple with very little shading. And I think mm-hmm. that uh, to in order to have new Pokemon designs that animate nicely, they're probably eliminating some of the more complicated and, I guess, uh, biological details. So there's less like irregular spots, for instance. If it has spots, they'll be in an orderly pattern on its body. And if it has fur, it'll be in managed clumps. I mean... Pokemon like Eevee we've seen get more refined and sleeker as generations have gone on. Yeah. Uh, except be- for except for Gigantamax Eevee. <laughs> Which is extremely fluffy. It's just a big fluffy baby. It's so cute. Um, oh, we didn't even talk about uh, the Gigantamax Butterfree, which I love. It's Mothra, right? It's fucking Mothra. It's great. It's great. I, I, I still need to see the new Godzilla movie, though. It's okay. <laughs> I, I, like I did see it. I, I do, I was like, basically, I was there to see the monsters. All the reviews said that there are more monsters and less people, but Perfect. The, movie was... in pro- the movie in practice was less monsters than I expected. Really? That was, yeah. so I know we're getting off of to- off of Pokemon for a second, oh, but Kaiju, I want to talk- Kaiju are on topic, always. <laughs> and I mean, also, because Gigantivax is basically Kaiju Battle. Yeah, it's just Kaiju Big Battle. <laughs> Okay, uh, so prediction for Pokemon Sword and Shield. I really, really hope that there's Gigantamax as part of the story, and specifically that there's a raid battle, because uh, that's a feature that you can that yeah. we know you can do and co-op with other people. I hope that there's a raid battle in the story against a legendary with NPCs on your team. That'd be fucking good. It'd be so cool, right? Yeah, like raid battles are such a good like concept to work with. Like if you're gonna take anything from Go, then that's probably one of the best things to pull. Just because they're a collaborative effort, and it looks so like, yeah, cool. There are and ones strategic. you could do with online, right? Yeah, uh, but like, yeah, one with NPCs would be really good. But like a one one that's part of the story, because like otherwise, if it's just in the wild area, it's a feature that a player could completely miss altogether throughout their journey. But yeah, I absolutely. I, I feel like they could better utilize it, and so you could have like a climactic boss fight where you don't have to catch it until after you beat the raid, just like in Pokemon Go. Yeah, I also think that it would be nice. Um, this is something that they've, you know, repeatedly whiffed over the years. Is just have something that you can battle that you don't catch. Yeah, 
Yeah, like, I mean, there's like some kind of big ass machine. Oh, that would Anything go against like the that. spirit of the series is that every single thing you you I battle know, you can catch it. Like... <laughs> we, we did that. We did that with uranium with the final boss. It's a you know it's a it's a super powered up version of the legendary that you can't obtain normally. Um, mm-hmm. But you know, and of course, immediately afterwards, people were like, "I want that. How do I get that?" It's like you, you can't. It's yeah, because there to be a was, boss fight. That was some of the speculation that was with the uh, Ultra Beast is that they wouldn't be catchable, I'm which glad that they I think would have still been interesting. But yeah, no, I am glad they are ultimately except for Um, cartana i hate that thing it's so (laughs) annoying to fight against (laughs) i love it it sets up one sword stance and you're screwed you're dead because it has like 190 base attack it's fine stats are ridiculous (laughs) absolutely absurd and it has beast boost so it gets a boost every time it kills something it's uh. (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah like i guess like the last like non-catchable fightable monsters were in the um, Pokestar Studios in Black and White 2. Yeah, I and was just thinking about that too. That was such a fun and uh, horribly uh, underutilized feature because yeah. you could literally just breeze through the game and I don't think I, I took advantage of it at all. I only for, like, played the, the mandatory one. But then I see like some of the footage of some of the later like movies that you could do and not uh-huh. only is it a really cool feature but there were like there was a bunch of cool stuff like there were humans like human NPCs that you could battle against. Yeah, there was a giant mecha tyranitar. There's a huge like impervious ghost. There's a There's giant foot? The robots that I love so much <laughs> that I wish were real Pokémon. Those uh, the battle sprites for uh, Pokestar Studios are excellent. Absolutely excellent. Just like some of the best pixel art that Poke- the, po- the Pokemon series has ever managed. Oh, I miss pixel art in Pokemon games. I really, truly do. I'm glad that some people like pick up the mantle and just like make them. Yeah, for there's the new a whole, monsters. Every every single new Pokemon is going to have a lot of uh, a lot of sprites made for it, uh, especially on DeviantArt. Still, people still use DeviantArt. I still use DeviantArt. Yep. <laughs> and I even run. So here's a fun fact: I run a Pokemon sprite group on DeviantArt called Pokemon Sprite Factory, where people can submit their Pokemon pixel art. It's still going. <laughs> I'm like ninety percent sure I do follow that group. <laughs> my my DeviantArt, which exists only for finding Fakemon for the blog. I started it like in I don't know a decade ago. It's still going. It's still basically unchanged. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, it's it. I really do like that there are like a bunch of sprite interpretations of every new Pokemon as they come out. Uh, one thing that I found really cool is the um, there's a there's a ROM hack called Pokemon Orange that's built on Crystal, mm-hmm. and they have uh, Alolan forms in it. And as every new Galarian form has been revealed, there's been someone who's posted in the server like a GSC styled sprite of the new Pokemon, which like working with like the color limits of the Game Boy Color. Yeah. It's real cool. It's real cool that people will still make that kind of stuff with animations and everything. I've never heard of Pokemon Orange before. Say it's a crystal ROM hack? Yeah, it's a crystal ROM hack that's based on like the the Orange Islands part of the anime. No Fakemon though. Uh, No Fakemon as far as I know. It's uh, original Dex. Um... Like it's it has like the two hundred and fifty three Pokemon I think that max out a uh, a gold and silver ROM hack so I think there's some things removed some things added in although they had figured out how to pad the decks by adding forms huh interesting is that really a hard limit I mean I know that I guess it's, there are it's literally names. just because two fifty six is the hard limit uh, you'd have to redo all the pointers in the entire game if you added another bit to that. Yeah, that would be really complicated. I can yeah, see why it's, people don't it's do really that. not worth the effort. <laughs> uh, and of course, Fakemon 2 are uh, kind of 
take a lot of effort and not everybody's gonna love them which is why i guess yeah. Pokemon rom hacks are the exception and not the rule yeah like um like pokemon prism has some fake mon but there's only five yeah and you could probably it- just avoid them <laughs> One like one is part of like they're part of the main story, but like in a way that you don't actually need to catch them. So um, yeah, <laughs> but they're 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 cool, and I do like them. Um, a lot of people don't really care for the designs, but I think that's mostly just because of the way they're sprited. Uh, people like what they like, and they tend to be you know really judgmental. I mean, every single time they reveal a new Pokemon design, like a new canon Pokemon design, there are people railing against it, really shitting on it. People just love to complain. Yeah, I know. Especially like people, people will shit on fake mon designs a lot too, and it's like, what's the point in doing this? Like, come on, man, you've got nothing to gain from acting. Like, what, what is there better to do? <laughs> like the create, no matter even the sh- the the worst quality, lowest effort fake mon design, at least the creator made something, and the yeah. haters made nothing. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. So you know, take a deep breath, go for a walk, draw your own fake mon. <laughs> the best. Uh, the best fake one out of the five in Prism is one that uh, it's called Fancero, and it's a legendary bird, but it's also missing no. Oh, cool. <laughs> and so like its animation has like the missing no blocks show up in the glitch. It's so good. Oh, right. Because Prism was a hack of crystal, right? Yes. So the sprites do animate. The sprites do animate. That's cool. Um, and it also does learn water gun twice by level up. Of course. So it, it has the important detail. Water gun, water gun, and sky attack. And sky attack, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Um, one thing we didn't talk about when we mentioned Galarian Ponyta is how they revealed it. Yeah, oh my well, god. We talked about it a little bit when you talked about the camera. Shoutouts to Cerebi for staying up all 24 hours. <laughs> really, like, but I, I'm so glad that that happened, like, right before the 20th anniversary so people can really appreciate the sheer amount of work he puts in. He's so committed, and I really admire that. He will buy any game that has pokemon content in it so that he can get like his own screenshots of the content in that game he plays all the way through the games on the first day <laughs> and all he the got, he got content. animal crossing pocket camp when they had like that really limited like pokemon crossover thing wow like yeah. it was just like a couple of pokemon appeared as like i don't know like fucking furniture items or something maybe Probably. clothing <laughs> and he's like well i guess i gotta play this <laughs> like you don't have to I wonder if he, I wonder how big his Pokemon collection is. Probably absolutely huge. Puts all of us to shame. And also, uh, does he ever play the games like for fun or is this like his job? I don't know. I don't know how much fun he could possibly have at this point, given how much he has to like physically put effort into it. Well, he must love Pokemon because otherwise. I'm pretty sure he does love Pokemon and I really do hope his partner loves Pokemon as much as he does. I really do hope he makes money off of his website. In some way. I know he does get promo copies of the games, so at the very least he gets that. Maybe he's being paid by the Pokemon company. Maybe. Maybe that they're paying sense. him. Just They I mean, should. He's, he's he's very uh, you know, by the book. I mean he respects canon. He'll never report on any fan content at all whatsoever. So nope, <laughs> nope not not even the least. He used to have a page on fake Pokemon on the yep. website, but it hasn't been and updated had... since like Ruby and Sapphire. So oh, yeah, because like, the things that it had some of the things that it had on it were like um, were like Pokemon Factory, but like the old Pokemon Factory before it was like rebooted in 2002. I remember Pokemon Factory. That was fun. Still around. I What, really? Yep. They have who's, a Discord server and everything. Who's paying the hosting fees on that website? <laughs> the same person who has been paying them since 2002. Oh my God. Yeah. Round of applause. <laughs> yeah. Pokemon Factory, um, they... 
just have a lot of staff shuffles. Essentially, people move in and out of the project a lot. Um, I would, you could still check it out. It still exists. I'll probably put some links in the description just because, yeah, there's a lot of people I've known for more than a decade on that project. Wow. Yeah, that's commitment. I think that might have been one of the first times I was ever exposed to the concept of Fakemon. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Same. That's that's how it, it was like. It was the point where, like, the internet was so young and I was so prone to misinformation that I just literally thought that that's how new Pokemon got made. Yeah, one of my earliest memories of ever using the internet was, and uh, I'm not kidding about this, using Google to search Pokemon cheat codes uh, and Mm -hmm. then looking up, like, glitches and, like, screenshots of glitched Pokemon, which both terrified and fascinated me in equal measure. I am so glad that Bulbapedia's glitch Pokemon reporting is so thorough. It's really in-depth. They have absolutely everyone on there. Yeah. They, which is they insane. Have, it's like they, they, they've got like all of the all of the like the height and weight of every single glitched Pokemon. That's I mean, it's height and weight are literally just garbage data. Garbage that the data. Game and, and so are their types. Like they have like the, uh, TM57 is a glitch Pokemon type. <laughs> like, <laughs> they have all of them. But you, you didn't know need what? this. But you know what? They don't have even the. But all of their pages on fan-made content are just awful. <laughs> or they're on someone's user page. Oh my god, I have such a beef with Bulbapedia and the way that they treat fan games. <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's kind of sucks, because like some of them are really... like Uranium is probably one of the most prominent ones that's ever existed. Probably, yeah. Uh, like, it's well, You Guys Are Prism. <laughs> it's on the uh, fan lore wiki, which is uh, uh, run by the Organization of Transformative Works that also runs the Archive of Our Own, which is a big fan fiction database. Uh, and they mentioned that in passing. It doesn't have its own article. I guess I could start it because it's a wiki. Uh, but Bulbapedia has, uh, and the Pokemon wiki, as it turns out, both have very strict canon content only policies, except as it applies to like shipping on Bulbapedia for some reason. They've got articles about every single ship. <laughs> like pallet shipping or canto shipping or whatever that ship is where it's ash and latios from the pokemon fifth movie <laughs> but they won't have but the the only page they have on fan games is rom hacks <laughs> and it's full of incorrect content i have a life's goal not really no this is definitely not my life's goal i've tried in the past to get them to update their fan content page to make it a little bit more representative it's just not <laughs> Oh, Bulbapedia. But you know what? It's a really useful resource. So yeah, it seems weird that they don't even have, like, you know, the most prominent Fakemon projects, which would probably be, like, you guys or Prism. Yeah, or, you know, even ROM hacks like Shiny Gold, for instance, and Oldie But a Goodie. It was, like, a recreation of Pokemon Gold and Silver in Fire Red before Heart Gold and Soul Silver came out. Oh, yeah, out. yeah, yeah. Those ones are all really good. You know, Or even just, like, the concept of, like, um, a complete Dex hack. Yeah, because uh, those are real fun to do. Definitely. I just feel like, you know, they, they fan creations should be acknowledged as an important part of them, even if they're not official and even if some of them face legal action, because they can make or break somebody's experience of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Like, I think um, fan projects are one of the main things that, like, sustain my interest between games. Yeah, I mean... Like, that's... It's 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 also just, like, a really good creative outlet. And, like, so many fandoms these days are so shaped by their fan content that, like, they wouldn't exist without it. Like, like Sonic wouldn't... Like, Sonic's most relevant game was functionally a fan project. Yeah, Sonic Mania, Sonic right? Mania. Yeah, and it, it started as a fan project before they brought the developers online. Uh, 
Pokemon would never do that uh, for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, Pokemon is a much bigger brand. I mean, it's like literally net worth is $90 billion. Yeah, no, it's it's the like one of the, if not the single largest media project of all time. Oh, it is. It is. I've looked it up on Wikipedia. It is number one. Number one. That doesn't. Yeah, that makes sense. Number and like the Pokemon company itself is a three way holding. Yeah. Which that that also informs a little bit of how like draconian the processes must be to do anything, because like it's like thirty three percent creatures, thirty three percent game freak, thirty three percent Nintendo, and I mean no matter what, it all turns around the video game, because mm-hmm. like there's there's the anime, there's the merchandise, there's the TCG, uh, but all of it, you know, there's a spinoff games, but all of it is powered by the core series RPGs and all yeah. the designs that come through there. So every single design has to be thoroughly vetted, not only to make sure that it's appealing, that it's not the same as any other Pokemon. Uh, they have to make sure that its name isn't like an ethnic slur in some obscure language. <laughs> yeah, they've made that mistake before. <laughs> is that true with like Trico's name, that it means something really dirty? And, the main like, thing I always think of is that you can't trade Kafagrigus right. because of the unfortunate slur that is in the direct center of its name. Oh boy, <laughs> <laughs> they kind of brought that one on themselves with the uh, with the nickname censors. And I'm kind of part of me is kind of sad that I can't. I could no longer nickname my rival Pisshead like I did yeah. in Gold version. Actually, no, in Gold version because I was seven. It was my first ever Pokemon game, and I named my rival Butthead. But I nice. didn't have B-U-T. enough character. Yes, it was B-U-T-H-E-A-D. <laughs> so it's Bethied. <laughs> Please, Bethied was my father. <laughs> yeah, um, there's the same thing with Pokemon Go. Like, no one can even see your Pokemon's nicknames unless you're trading. So I don't understand why it's it matters. But I, th- I think I have a theory, and it has to do with... So back in, like, the early days of Pokemon Go, you could see nicknames on gyms. And, of course, there was, you know, your... your Pokemon named racial slurs and yeah. named after sex acts and stuff like I that. I honestly don't remember that at all because the gym <laughs> system was so shitty when the when it started it was that so I bad. just the didn't new, do it. The new gyms are so much better. Uh, but there was, there was almost an international incident where uh, Chinese nationals uh, had location spoofed and taken over a gym in Japan and put up a bunch of Pokemon with nicknames that were like pro-Chinese government. <laughs> So, <laughs> do you ever think about how fucking stupid the world is? Oh my god! <laughs> Every day of my goddamn life, something there, stupid like that will happen. There's actually an <laughs> XKCD comic about this exact thing, where it's just like, so, oh god, somebody uh, put a Pokemon in the gym next to mine, and it has the the trainer's got like a far right, uh, pro far right nickname or something like that, and the. His partner's like, why don't you go back to 2002 and tell your past self that? And he's like, all right, I'll do that. And he travels back in time and he's and he's explaining it. And the past self was like, so is liking Pokemon a thing that people your age typically do? And he's like, you know what? <laughs> Eat shit, past self. <laughs> God. Um, I'm just, I'm glad that if you have a Pokemon with a swear in their name, that existed before they put in the filters, you're allowed to still have it. And I call it, it's funny because you can just refer to them as legacy nicknames <laughs> and make it sound real official. So got, if, you went, if you named all of your Pokemon fuck, then you're good. Yeah. I got Big Fuckman the Gyarados and it's never going to change. He's Big Fuckman forever, baby. Yeah, I think, hmm, I don't know. I named I named a Snorlax. I think I named him Big Daddy, maybe. I mean, <laughs> that would still Daddy. be allowed. Yeah, no, that's still fine. <laughs> You're allowed to be gross. You just have to be more creative. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, think- I mostly just name things Big Chungus. Like, I think I have, like, four separate things named this. 
<laughs> Pokemon has a lot of big chunkuses. Yeah, they're they're keeping up the big chunkus content, which I appreciate. Uh, we, we, there's always going to be a new chungus. <laughs> a greener chungus on the horizon. Yeah. <laughs> the chungus is always greener. <laughs> they got chunguses and they have long boys. They're really keeping it to the meme potential here. <laughs> I mean, every single new piece of content is like a breadcrumb and we're all feral pigeons. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, truly. Um, well, we've basically gone through everything that I put in the uh, the outline for the episode, so I guess now's a good time to go to some of the questions we got on Twitter. Sounds good. I'm always excited to take questions because people will send us just wonderful, wonderful things all the time. Um, honestly, none of these questions are as bad as the ones I were get- was getting when I started this podcast, so well, that's a it's relief. fine. Uh, I'll, I'll start with Stephanie's question because she's directly behind me right now. And she can yell her displeasure at me talking about it out loud. Uh, do you think it's possible to make a regional form of Absol that makes it even remotely redeemable? Does she have any idea what kind of hornet's nest she's about to kick? People love Absol. She knows Absol. exactly <laughs> what kind of hornet's nest she's about to kick. She hates Absol more than anything. <laughs> Why? It's like, cool. It's got Stephanie, a sword on wanna, its head. Do you want to voice your opinion on Absol directly into the microphone? It's a fucking emo bitch who listens to All Time Low, except instead of being a 14-year-old girl, he's like a 26-year-old man. 26-year-old man who listens to All Time Low as a Pokemon. Yeah, but like, at least he's aesthetic about it. <laughs> at least he's aesthetic about it. He does got a good black and white color scheme. Well, I mean, what what could you even do with a regional form of Absol? I feel like it's such like a, it seems like a very specific cultural reference to like a portender of doom. Make it pastel goth. Make it pastel goth. Would it be better if it was pastel goth? Maybe if you got rid of its stupid horn. If you got rid of its stupid horn? Yeah, like file it down. <laughs> just file it down to a nub. <laughs> it'd be like it'd be like Hellboy. Where it just kind of looks like a goggle holster. It'd give it like glam nails. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. Pastel goth, make it real, real colorful. I feel like that's a common theme with uh, regional variants, so that's not even totally out of the question. <laughs> I mean, I'd like to see that. Yeah, no, someone could do it in fan art. I, I, I have like a very particular power in which I can will things into existence by seeing them on a podcast, so someone make it happen. Pastel goth absol. You got it? You got your prompt? Go for it. Um, uh, I've got a question from... Uh, haunting the morgue on Twitter. What are your thoughts on the fake mon that someone tried to leak as real recently? Uh, they did eventually admit that they were fake. Um, <laughs> did it suck to pull one over on people, or do you find it kind of interesting that someone could do that? So I, I did send you a couple of these. Yeah, I'm looking at them now. I've always wanted to make a fake leak, so I'm kind of jealous that this guy pulled it off and people believed him. Um, I like them. I mean, like they they just look like fake mon <laughs> to me. <laughs> yeah, I think I think like they they did a pretty good job with the style, considering they were just doing mouse drawings. Yeah, uh, my favorite, as I mentioned before, uh, are the stick insects. Yeah, no, the stick insects are really good. I like stick insects are the perfect thing to work with, like the new ability to have wider proportions. Yeah, they're just that they're Pokemon just really now. cool. They don't the silhouette is unique. It doesn't look like any other Pokemon. It looks like you could have some unique ability stuff i mean i wish they were real but the fact that they're fake mod doesn't really bother me because i just like fake mod so yeah i just i want to find this person and be like hey um we have this nice little community of fake mod creators do you want to you want to join up yeah join poke engine jo- join poke engine everyone <laughs> there's a halloween event going on right now and it's really cute it's super fun 
It's in the Atlas region, which is by Kyle Dove. You might know Kyle Dove as the person who once did the Pokemon Showdown backgrounds before they were rips from the games. <laughs> yeah, I've just known Kyle Dove because we were part of a fan game project like way back in 2003. I have known Kyle Dove forever. <laughs> yeah, he's a really, really long standing sort of a pillar of the fan game community and yeah because of- he always made he made so many tile sets that people used in their games yeah kyle dev's tiles were in like 90 percent of all fan games at one point back when they were like the only ones that sort of emulated the diamond and pearl style but they kind of had this nice washed out aesthetic that i think resonated with a ton of people so they were everywhere they were absolutely everywhere i he's he's on my short list of people i'd love to get on this podcast at some point because like i would love to pick his brain about some stuff <laughs> i'm sure you'd have a lot of interesting stuff Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, but yeah, no, I, I don't think, I think it was, it's, it, they were just kind of doing it for fun and it was like an exercise for them to make art. Yeah. And they weren't, they weren't clearly, they clearly weren't going to try to do this grift long term. Like it was just them making stuff. Yeah. You get some free and, internet attention out of it. Why not? Yeah. It's better promo than just making fake mon. Wait. So, so I'm looking at them now. There's one that kind of looks like, kind of like Poplio, I guess it's a water type. And the first yeah, I don't, one's like a little guppy. And the second one's a cat and the third one looks like pre-marina but with legs yeah i i those are the ones i don't like those don't look like pokemon really i mean but they look, look like fake mod they look just a little don't. bit to the right of those and there's the sandworms that's the shit i do like yeah that's awesome we need more worm pokemon period end of discussion worms are awesome there's not even an earthworm yet a diglet <laughs> he's a mole technically he's an earthworm look at his dex entries it talks about how it tills the soil and it can't be exposed to harsh sunlight and dry surfaces that's an earthworm i guess that is an earthworm isn't it yeah <laughs> what if they gave a, a diglet regional variant dry skin as an ability so it was immune to water that'd be fucking huh. sick <laughs> that'd be interesting i'd like to see i mean like they they just can't they they can't answer the question of what lies underneath diglet it's the, the the mystery is the defining char- characteristic of Diglett. So I do love whenever whenever you were able to look at the bottom of a sprite and it's just dirt. It's just flat. <laughs> He's appearing from nothing. Yeah. Well, when um, you send him out of his Pokeball, he emerges out of the earth instead of most Pokemon, which appear which in drop ground. So yeah, they went yeah. Through that extra that extra trouble, which I appreciate. Yeah, well, that was especially good with uh with Pokemon Black and White, where like they did an animation based on like how heavy they were which I thought was a really nice touch to do with the sprite animations. I think they still have it, but it's less noticeable. It's less in, noticeable. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, Diglett and Doug Trio explicitly appeared out of the ground. They yes. did not drop. That's true. They they, they, they really, you know, the, the little attention to details are what sells me on some Pokemon. I think. Yep. I would actually also uh, absolutely remen- recommend putting Aerial Ace on your Doug Trio and then strapping a Flyinium Z on it and using the flying type <laughs> Z move. Supersonic Sky Strike. <laughs> from, a du- from a Doug Trio. I would highly recommend it. It's very funny. Uh, another question from Morg. Uh, if you could see any other, any new type combo this gen that hasn't been used before, what would it be? Uh, for me, it's Bug Dragon. 100 percent for me it's so one of my like my favorite type is electric and so there's a bunch of unused types with electric or that have just been on like rotom so i would love to see an electric fighting type an electric grass type an electric ice type or an electric poison type i'm not choosy just give me more electric types i love them yeah we uh, we also haven't had an electric uh fighting yeah yeah Uh, like an electric psychic and electric rock are only regional forms so far. Nothing like original, original. Right. Uh, yeah. Alolan Raichu, I guess. Alolan yeah. being one of the more forgettable Alolan. So. Yeah. Because they, they didn't even bother to announce it. That's how much they didn't care. You could have like an electric rock type that was like quartz crystals 
uh, that connected elect that that conducted electrical current or uh, an electric poison type that's a battery. Yeah, well, <laughs> uh, there was a really, really, really cool fake mon, which I have actually discussed on this podcast before, um, which was an electric poison type, and it was a, a lemon battery. Oh, I love that. <laughs> it's so cute. And then the, the second one was like a UFO, it could but be also still a lemon. grass type if it was a lemon. <laughs> it's just, it's going off the acidity of it, I guess, yeah, was what uh, they were going with. I think probably um, my favorite, uh, not to talk about my own designs too much, but yep. one of my favorite... <laughs> fake mod that i've ever invented and i came up with the idea when i was like 10 uh but it's a it's an electric grass type and it's a single-celled organism it's it's an amoeba uh that uses photosynthesis to create an electric current and attack oh, and its evolution yeah. and its evolution is a it's like a walking solar so the whole back of it is like flat and green and it absorbs sunlight and it's got the ability chlorophyll uh yeah and the the names are just nonsense words because i made it up when i was 10 so it's Name is Nupin, and it involves Jelen. <laughs> oh, man. If I was... I, I need to dig up some old notebooks and find some Pokemon that I made when I was 10, because there are some gems in there. Do you remember Most your of first, them were robots. Do you remember your first fake mod? Um, I can remember one of my earliest ones, and his name was Armadillotron. Oh, that's great. <laughs> I, my friend drew it. He really kind of just looked like he was like part of the Cubone family, like in his basic shape. But I think that's because a lot of Gen 1 Pokemon kind of did look like that. I mean, they all had that same, like, party sprite where it's just yeah, like a monster. Exactly. Like, the, just a kind of generic monster-looking thing. It had a lot of spikes on it. Um, and I believe it was supposed to be a metal type because steel did not exist yet. Dope. Well, you called it. I definitely, yeah. No, that <laughs> I, I always thought that there would be a, a metal type and, you know, they did it right away. You must have felt so vindicated. Like yes. I did feel very vindicated. Or you would um, be like, Game Freak took my sketch pad. They were spying on me this whole time. Through my Game Me Boy. when they introduced Sandstorm, which was a move that I'd thought of. <laughs> um, and and uh, for Electric Rock, uh, other than like uh, another one that another idea that really works for it was uh, the one that's used in Prism, which has an Electric Rock type. Mm -hmm. And he's a Fulgurite, which huh. is like when you strike sand with lightning. It turns into like these cool like tubes. Oh, that's so cool! And like they based it, he based a Pokemon on that. It kind of just looks like an egg, but it, <laughs> it's it, it's really cool, and I really do like it. Oh, that's even awesome. though it's one of the hardest Pokemon to get in the entirety of Prism. Does it have a low catch rate, or is it just really rare? Um, you have to to get it. You have to have a specific um, item, um, which you get from completing a bingo card, and that bingo card is gotten by like leveling up a bunch of RPG stats. Because oh, the game has like, RPG stats in it. Oh, there's like yeah. mining and crafting and stuff. <laughs> Is it Minecraft? Yeah, more or less. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help it. Um, I'll I'll go with this one because it was one that we were kind of discussing beforehand a little bit. Have y'all seen and discussed this rad type chart? And it's just oh. like you saw those, right? Like the little types. Oh yeah, were, I retweeted it. You retweeted it. Okay, so. What makes a good fake type for you? Because hmm. um, you, you that, only had the one, right, in in, yeah. uh, in uranium. Yeah, the nuclear type. Uh, I think that to, to really sell a fake type, it has to be an important the game that it's introduced in. Uh, mm -hmm. Just tossing in a bunch of new types just for the hell of it is uh, it's going to be difficult for players to absorb because they, you know, memorizing the existing type matchup chart is an ordeal. We sort of take it for granted because we've been playing Pokemon forever, but... It, like understanding which types are good against others is not always intuitive and it's kind of yeah. done. So uh, not, not 
not knowing some resistances has has thrown me off before. Yeah, I or like, still like I still, like rock doesn't resist bug. Yeah, and ghost resists bug for some reason. I think. Uh huh. Ghost yeah. resists bug and poison. I don't resist poison. What? This when? Yep. <laughs> Are you it's sure it's you're not thinking things. of ghastly resisting poison because it's part poison type? Give me one second. <laughs> <laughs> so point Google made. type chart. <laughs> <laughs> so this pokemon type chart i love it just mostly because it's super aesthetic you know you've got blood type internet type curse type hologram type lab type swamp dream smoke tundra vampire and party type there's others too party type is the best one <laughs> it's so great um, i really do like the that these are using the uh the gen 3 style and i really, really do like the way they look yeah it it definitely tweaks my nostalgia uh my nostalgia gland that sounds yeah. gross <laughs> but yeah i i'm i'm particularly interested in fake types like i made a big old interactive type chart with a bunch of different fake types on it because they <laughs> they fascinate me to that level so like nuclear for people who are didn't have not played uranium yet you should do it it's still it you can still get it it's not yeah, hard to find it's on the internet you know it's on the internet. It's around. I won't um, give you a download link, but it's out there. I have no yeah, control exactly. over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, it's the same stance that Cool Boy Man has with Prism. He's like, it exists. Yeah, I'm not working <laughs> on it. Don't worry, <laughs> I cannot be sued. <laughs> um, uh, but uh, yeah, nuclear is super effective against all types. Yeah, except for steel and, and itself. Yes, right. Yeah. So. And that makes it double effective against dual types, right? Yeah, it's really, really powerful, but it's balanced, quote unquote, balanced by the fact that it's also weak to everything except for nuclear. So they're basically glass cannons. Any single nuclear type will absolutely, will literally nuke anything else on the field, but it'll also die to one hit itself. Um, yeah. Which I think, uh, maybe I wasn't thinking about the nuances of this when I first invented the concept of a nuclear type yeah. but it definitely does have something to do with like the benefits and drawbacks of nuclear power and how it's really powerful but also really dangerous so uh that was you know but it kind of plays in nicely to that i mean i wasn't trying to make some kind of deep social comment no <laughs> it works this it works a very similar way to how the the shadow types work in xd in that the shadow moves are super effective against all non-shadow pokemon is that and true then, yeah they're super effective against all non-shadow pokemon and then i think it's they're either neutral or not very effective against other shadow Pokemon. I feel like but it's that not was... it's it's treated differently than a type. Because yeah. like there's no there's no stacking if there's dual types. Mm -hmm. It's just like they're all treated in the game's code as normal types, and then there's like a flag that says if it's a shadow move or not. It <laughs> wasn't true in Coliseum, it was different in XD. Okay, yeah, that's where that's where I was tripped up because I only really played through Coliseum and I played my friend's copy of XD on her GameCube. But yeah. I never had my own copy, so my knowledge about that game is sketchy. I'm I'm replaying it right now because I found out that someone did a ROM hack of it that adds the fairy type and the physical what? special split and oh, also cool. new shadow Pokemon. Whoa. And also new shadow moves. That's dope. I didn't yeah, even so know Pokemon you XG. It's 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 cool so far. It also <laughs> like um kind of speeds up the story a bit, gets rid of a lot of mandatory cutscenes. Yeah, the the story was you know, I mean, Shadow Lugia was cool, but the story of those games... Well, the story in Coliseum was all right. story in XD, I wasn't as compelled by. But then again, it's... I mean, you know. <laughs> I still think that Genius Sonority had a lot of personality in the way they animated the Pokemon. Oh, totally. And also, the way the overworld looks. Like, the overworld looks gorgeous in that game. For a GameCube it's, game, like, several years later. 
Yeah, Fedak City in particular is just a really beautiful region with all the water fountains. And yeah, stuff. I really like the under as, yeah. a, as a conceptual city, uh, just because like, it's fully underground and it's the so The music cool. is great. Yeah, so um, Game Freak, if you need more people to help you with this kind of stuff, Genius Sorority has not released a game in like three years. Yeah, I'm sure they're still money. around. <laughs> you know, I did find out. Rel- I did find out like only relatively recently that uh, Creatures Inc. actually were like the main subcontractor that made the models for the 3DS games. Huh. So they're still working on it. They are still working on it because I, as far as I knew, all they'd done is offered like a significant amount of logistics support on like the first set of games. Huh. And that was like why they own 33 percent of the Pokemon Company. But no, they they do contract work with them as well, which makes sense Didn't because they also- like they. Didn't they also make some of the Earthbound games? Um, that was Hal that did the early Earthbound. Oh, games. okay. Because like, which I is where the- Iwata worked. So I think that um, Hal Hal was uh, was technically a partner on Gold and Silver because hmm. Iwata's the one that figured out how to code Kanto into it. So that's where that <laughs> came from. Yeah. Rest in peace, you. Rest in peace, Iwata. Man. <laughs> Um, I just I'm trying to think of like if there's a reason uh, in the game's development why Mewtwo and Gygus uh, from Earthbound One look so Zero. goddamn similar. Yeah, they really do look like. I mean, I guess it's sort of like an alien mutant creature, but you know that that's it's got to be more than a coincidence because they were both in development at around the same time, and it's both the final boss and has similar powers. So like, uh, what if it's I'm, just Mewtwo? <laughs> maybe like, I'm wearing a tinfoil hat here. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, Sans from Undertale is just Ness, but dead. No, Let's get he's into not. It. Game, th- game theory, baby. <laughs> That's just a theory. A game theory. It's just a little theory. <laughs> oh, Matt Pat played my game. That was wild. There were like 30,000 oh people watching him. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> he called it the banned Pokemon game Nintendo doesn't want you to see. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds about like a Matt Pat headline. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> he even name dropped me in the live stream, but he got my name wrong. He called me uncontrollable Twitch. Instead of involuntary. <laughs> oh my god. I think I made that my display name on Twitter after that for a little while. <laughs> That's really good. If only he also gave Pokemon Uranium to the Pope. <laughs> I know. <laughs> What if the Pope played uranium? <laughs> um, okay, so I have uh, I have this one little question in the back of my mind that I'm not going to ever rest fully until I have an answer to, which is, mm-hmm. is has Griffin McElroy played Pokemon Uranium? <laughs> God, I... He was I the editor playing it. <laughs> he was an editor of Polygon during the summer when Pokemon Uranium came out and he loves Pokemon. And Polygon did an article about Pokemon Uranium. They actually did several articles about Pokemon Uranium, so it's not inconceivable. It is not inconceivable that Griffin McElroy played your game. That is yeah. I just want to know. <laughs> Griffin, if you're listening, <laughs> please. You know, my DMs are open. Yeah. Just yes or no is fine. Just yes or no is fine. Just let us know, Griffin. If react- um, Griffin, just reactivate your Twitter and just tweet the word yes. <laughs> you don't have to put any context on it, but if you are listening, then just tweet the word yes. Thanks. We'll know. We'll, we'll, we'll know. We'll know, we'll know it was for us. <laughs> um, oh, uh, we are going for a good hour and a half here, so that's probably a good place to call it for today. Uh, where can people find you on the web? So on Twitter, I am at Voluntary Twitch. That's V-O-L-U-N-T-A-R-Y. Twitch and uh, because involuntary Twitch didn't fit. 
Uh, on DeviantArt, I am involuntary-twitch. That's where I put all of my latest Figmon pixel art and other art. I did a whole bunch of Figmon last month for the Fakeathon challenge, uh, which I also oh, such a good create one. and run. Um, I co-run the Fakemon blog with Matt on Tumblr. So that's fakemon.tumblr.com. My Tumblr so glad is, I got that yeah. URL. <laughs> I know, it's really clutch. And it's, you know, the number one Fakemon resource, maybe. I don't know. I like to think so. Um, there, there was a more popular Fakemon blog, but the guy who ran it became, like, too busy. Yeah. Oh, fantastic! Fantastic! It's fantastic! Fake one, right? yeah. I missed that blog. It was <laughs> very good. I could, wonder if I could mod that blog too. <laughs> <laughs> Just gotta consolidate all the brand. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get it all under the brand, and then you know, get Omnis Region going again. Yeah, I miss because I really Region. like Omnis Region. That was so much fun. Such a fun community project. Yeah. Also, check out Poke Engine. Just you know, last minute plug for Poke Engine. Look at their Halloween event. It's on for another, I think, twelve days or eleven days as of this recording. Yep. I don't know when. And, this uh, the Poke Engine site at pokeengine.org does link the Discord, which is how you get access. Yeah, uh, and there's a bunch of really cool fake decks there as well. Fake mod. And, and also some like cool surprises for anyone excited for sh- Sword and Shield in uh, in the Halloween event. Yeah, it's it's. I was so delighted to find those. Uh, oh my god, I, I screamed! I screamed when it appeared. <laughs> it's great. It's my baby, I love it. <laughs> it's perfect. Um, so yeah, lots of exciting stuff going on. Sword and Shield comes out on November fifteenth. Holy sh! I can't wait. I cannot wait. It's so close. <laughs> my body is. I, I probably won't get another episode of this out before then. <laughs> uh, and then after that, you can find me uh, on my Nintendo Switch playing Pokemon Shield. <laughs> Perfect. Um, um, I'll end this episode how we always end it by with a thanks Bulbapedia. Uh, here's here's a line from Cosmo M's Bulbapedia article. With its pre-evolved form weighing in at 0.1 kilogram and Cosmo M at 999.9 kilograms, the evolution from Cosmog to Cosmo M is the largest increase in weight due to evolution with an increase of 999,799.99%. <laughs> thanks, thanks Bulbapedia. Bulbapedia. And uh, thank you, Twitch, for joining us on Elite Full Restore this week. Thanks for having me. uh, I hope everyone enjoys the game because we'll have plenty to talk about once it's out. (laughs)